This is According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell, McPherson's sports talk show. No, I don't eat eggs. You don't eat eggs? No. Ever? No. Scrambled? No. A hard-boiled egg? No. Listen Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. Patrick Mahomes, the magic show, is here in Oakland pulling the rabbit out of the hat and handing the rabbit to Travis Kelsey. According to Jim is your home for the McPherson Bullpup. It's over! The Bullpups have knocked out Bishop the age, and for the ninth time in school history, the Bullpups stand atop the state of Kansas. Everything happening in the sports world. Even some things not happening in the sports world. So you're more of a traditional Hark, Christmas Hark music. Hark the Herald player. Angels sing. I like that. Hark the Herald Angels oh, yeah. sing. Yeah, I like that. Now it's time for According to Jim. Here's Jim Joyner and Steve Sell. Let's do this thing. Another edition of According to Jim right here on 96.7 FM KBBE. Or for those of you listening online, worldwide, at midkansasonline.com. I'm Jim Joyner. Joining me as always, the most popular man in McPherson and probably the worst predictor in McPherson, Mr. Steve Sell. Oh for four? It was like Oh for four? It was like that Seinfeld episode. Oh for four in NFL playoff games. I felt like I was watching Bizarro World. You know the (laughs) Seinfeld episode where everything's just the opposite of what it's supposed to be. Yeah. And that's kind of what I felt. But that you know we talked about how good these games could be in terms of uh, competitiveness and the road team winning three you don't I don't know if that's ever happened on wild card weekend that the road team won three of the four games but it did and the only home winner was Dallas and I didn't think Dallas would win because I had no faith in Dak Prescott but boy was Dallas's defense unbelievable I mean they they turned Russell Wilson into mush it's funny that we look at the four games that were played this weekend and the scores if you all you did was look at the box scores from these games, you would go, okay, well, maybe they were four really good games. Philadelphia and Chicago was a pretty good game, even though it was pretty ugly, too. The Chargers and the Ravens, that was not a good game. The, the, the Ravens played horrible for the first almost 50, 50 minutes of 50 the game. Minutes, yeah. Dallas and Seattle, it wasn't really that great of a game. The ending was somewhat exciting. But it took a failed onside kick and all sorts of weird stuff going on in that game. The Colts and the Texans, oh, that game was horrible. It was terrible. Stinker. And the scores make it look a little better than it was, but this was not an electric wild card weekend. No. But the one big takeaway that I have from the Colts and the Texans as a Chiefs fan is, oh my, it's- this is not going to be an easy divisional round opponent for Kansas City. Well, the Colts' defense was a lot better than I thought. I kind of thought they were all offense. Kind of like, what year was it? About Was it three years ago when they played? And it was 45-44 when the Colts and... 2013 season, okay. so 2014, January of 2014. Okay, so it's been five years since that 45-44 game. But the Colts' defense, I mean, I don't know if the Texans' offensive line is just that bad. But Deshaun Watson, he just he never had a chance. And the way Andrew Luck's throwing the football... If you're a Chiefs fan, you better be very afraid because he is on the mark right now. Now, they didn't score any points in the second half, but they played not to lose in the second half. They, they fell into that trap of playing not to lose instead of 
keeping that foot on the gas and going after it. Here are the two people that the Chiefs are very worried about. Number one, how do you stop Marlon Mack? 24 carries, 150 yards, a touchdown. How do you stop T.Y. Hilton? How do you stop the rest of this passing game for the Colts? Because Eric Ebron, he's just emerged as a big-time player. As a Chiefs fan, this is an Indianapolis team that is scary. I know they're 10-6, and six, but they started off 1-5 and five right. with a quarterback who was not 100%. And now he's 100%. They just picked up a dominant win on the road. I really thought that Houston was going to be the better team and that Deshaun Watson and the Texans, that they were playing well. This is a team they're familiar with. They were at home. I really felt good about the Texans. But normally twenty giving up 21 points in the NFL in this day and age. Especially because Houston scores. They're, they're not a bad offensive team. Oh, no, no. I mean, but Deshaun Watson kind of last half of the season – didn't have a 300-yard game second half of the season. And, of course, a lot of guys, you know, early in the year, it seemed like every quarterback in the NFL threw for 300 yards. And then defenses started catching up. And then it got colder. But this was in a dome. I mean, this this should have made no difference. In a dome in Houston. Yeah. And Houston was horrible. I mean, they, they were probably the worst team of the eight that played this weekend. Then you had the Cowboys and the Seahawks. And what's the narrative all the time with the Cowboys over the last 20 years, Steve. What's the narrative? The narrative is you can't win. <laughs> they don't win in the playoffs. Right. They don't win in the playoffs. This is a team that always is just good enough to get there, but they can't win in the playoffs. They haven't won a game in the divisional round since like 1996. But this Cowboys team has been very strange all year. And part of the thing that goes into you can't win in the playoffs is you can't finish games. But this has been a Cowboys team that finishes games very strong. They've won a lot of games in the fourth quarter. And that's what they had to do this weekend because they were down 14-10 to 10 going into the fourth quarter. They beat the Seahawks, who pretty much everybody around the NFL believed was going to win that game. But Dallas, with Dak Prescott, with Ezekiel Elliott, and a group that is so good at a young age, and Dak Prescott's going to make a lot of money because of this win over the weekend, but... This is a Cowboys team that still sort of has that feel of a team of destiny, even though it's been a strange year. It's a team that's been knocking on the door for three years and that maybe it's their time. I can't remember the next round matchups off the top of my head. I have they to pull have, it up the real Rams. quick. So they're going to play the Rams. And See, I think that's a good matchup for Dallas. Yeah. And the reason I say that, Todd Gurley has not been Todd Gurley since November. He's been, Jared Goff hasn't been the he's same. He's been banged up. And Jared Goff... It looked like the Jared Goff of two years ago when he was a rookie when he seemed like he threw an interception about every four or five passes. He's not been very good. The other game in the NFC, the Eagles. Fly, Eagles fly. That was the one pick I got right this weekend. Where Yeah, you should make note as as you lambaste me for my idiocy. Yeah, I was one and three. You were one and three. I so, was one and three. So it wasn't like But I, was, I wasn't over. I got one right. Well. And this was the one I got right. And it took a double doink. A miracle well, to yeah, win. It, it took a miracle because Cody Parkey, boy, do I feel bad for that guy. Do you really? I do. Because he seems like a nice guy. He seems like a nice guy, but in some he's got ways. That choir boy look about him. In some ways, that's what he signs up for. Yeah. If you don't want to get booed off of the field, if you miss the biggest kick of your career, you're not in the right 
profession. You think he'll be their kicker next year? Well, he missed like 11 field goals this year, so and I would be surprised. Of, and seven of them hit the goalpost. So, Doink. Yeah, so he, uh, for some reason, he just doesn't, he must not get lined up right because if he's, if he's hitting the goalpost that many times, he's obviously a little off on his alignment. The Eagles, though, is this another team that is a team of destiny? They Nick were Foles. last year. Nick Foles somehow pulling this team out to win. It's amazing the amount of breaks and the amount of things that have gone Nick Foles' way yeah. over the last two years. But the Eagles going to Chicago, finding a way to win, and probably more importantly, finding a way to get just a fingertip on the field goal and from and Cody look Parkey. Who the two head coaches were in that game. Former Andy Reid guys. The last two offensive coordinators. Doug Peterson, team. Matt right. Nagy. Yeah. And it was Doug Peterson, the reigning Super Bowl champion Eagles. They were able to get it done. Steve, I've got some audio I want to play for you. This was from the final field goal. And I don't have the audio from the NBC call of this. Is this Kevin Harlan? But what I do have, a little different, is the Philadelphia Eagles have a Spanish broadcast team. Okay. And their Spanish play-by-play broadcaster, you want to take a guess at what his name is? Jorge Ramos. Ricky Ricardo. Okay. Ricky. So here is the Ricky Ricardo Eagles winning based off of the missed field goal call at the very end of the game from last night. Pie de Cody Parkey. 43 yardas. El snap. Le mete el pie. Distancia, dirección. Le dio el poste. No, falló. Oh. No, señor. No, señor. No, señor. No, señor. No, señor! No, señor! Los Eagles se van con la victoria! Ay, papá! No, señor! No, señor! Chicago! Chicago! No vamos para New Orleans! Philadelphia got a partido! Le dio el poste! Ricky Ricardo, huh? I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you. Chicago, you know, Chicago. I can't, who is it? There's, there's somebody that does the rating... Of uh, the oh Chris Russo, Mad Dog Russo, okay. gives a one to five on home run calls. If he was doing game winning football calls, he'd have to give a six on that. That was hilarious. I no love, senor, I love no that. senor. I love that. No sir, no sir, no sir, no sir. And Steve, I know you don't speak a whole lot of Spanish, but I know what no senor means. But a lot of the things he was saying, Chicago, Chicago. He uh, said they're not going to New Orleans. <laughs> That, that was a great call. That I is, heard Kevin Harlan's call. It didn't match up to that. That would be such a very Philadelphia fan call. Does yeah. it make sense that he's a Philadelphia guy? Oh, yeah. Chicago, Philadelphia, Chicago. Philadelphia people, they're a breed all unto themselves. That I'm, is a strange group of people. Well, I t- they are as passionate of people, and they are as a negative of fans as you'll ever want to see. They yeah. booed Santa Claus. Yeah, they are as negative. And threw when, snowballs at him. But when they're winning... Nobody's a better front runner than Eagle fans, but when they're losing, and I know we've got some Philadelphia people that live around here. I know a couple of them, by the way. If if they're listening, they're probably not going to be very happy with me. But I tell you what, they are as negative of fans as you'll ever find. So that was a very big win for the Eagles last night, and both six seeds come out of the wild card weekend. Here's the game that I think Steve and I were – not quite sure. This was the one game where we really didn't know which side to go with, and that was the Chargers and the Ravens from this weekend, where my head was telling me the Chargers were the better team and that the Chargers were going to go win this game. But my gut kept telling me 
to speak the Chargers losing into existence, to start talking about them losing this game. And that's why I picked them. Even though I thought the Chargers were the better team, I just kind of thought that they would find a way to lose this one down the stretch. But now, the Chargers might be the team that I am the most afraid of as a Chiefs fan because I just get the feeling, and this is part of what we talked about last week, that Phillip Rivers understands that if he wants to be a Hall of Fame quarterback and wants to really cement his legacy, they have to make a run. And they have a chance to go to New England and win. And they haven't lost on the road this year. The they, only road game they lost is when they played, they went across town and played the Rams. When they have left Los Angeles on an airplane, they have not lost. They went clear to the East Coast. They always say you can't go West Coast to East Coast and win. Well, for one thing, they went on Thursday, so their body clocks were able to adjust. I assume that's what they're going to do again this week. They'll probably go to New England on Thursday and, and let their body clocks adjust again. But I'll tell you, they, their defense was really, really good yesterday. And, you know, they've got that great front four. Melvin Ingram was just – he was an animal he yesterday. He was a beast. Yeah, Joey Bosa's really good. They've got that really good rookie in the secondary, a James. Derwin James Derwin from Florida James. State. He may be the rookie of the year in the NFL. I mean, he's he, he's really good. And the, Melvin Gordon's back. That's big. They've got guys that can catch the ball. Antonio Gates even had a big catch. I mean, he's like – Well, he's a big guy. He's like 85, you know, and the guy still – he can still play. Don't be – don't be surprised if the Chargers beat the Patriots. I'm not going to be surprised at all. That's the thing that I'm the most nervous about because I think the Chargers can go to New England and win. And we don't – and you're, I know you're in agreement with me. This is probably the worst New England team in about the last eight or nine years. It, it is the team that I think has the least chance to succeed. Right. Maybe not that they're the worst, but that I just don't know if I feel they're confident not, they're about not, them. Let's just say this. They're not the New England teams that they've been. I think they might be the fourth best team of the four remaining in the AFC. Now, that might mean they go win the Super Bowl, but the four teams remaining in the AFC, if I'm a Chiefs fan, are very intimidating. But if you had to put down your own money, your own hard-earned money, is there any way you can bet against Tom Brady at home in the playoffs? It's hard to. Yeah. Your mind tells you that you're not supposed to do that, yeah. but I think the Chargers can go win there. And if the Chargers go win there... And the Chiefs somehow beat the Colts. Oh, the Chiefs have no chance. Against the Colts? No, against the against the Chargers. I, I would not feel good no. about Phillip Rivers taking on the Chiefs. Even if it's in Kansas City. I would not well, it couldn't be in That's what I'm saying. Los Angeles. It's gonna be in Kansas City, so I would not feel good. I don't feel good about whoever they will play the rest of the way because the AFC, the four teams remaining, they are all legitimate Super Bowl contenders. They might all be they may be the four best teams left. They might be. I know the Saints are good and I know the Rams are good. But the Saints didn't play well the last three weeks of the season. The Rams, they kind of plateaued. And then the Cowboys, can you really – Dak Prescott, he can't – he's not going to be – he might win one playoff game. I can't see him winning two. And then who's the other one left? Uh, Philadelphia. I just don't think Nick Foles can have enough magic two years in a row. He's Nick Foles after golf, you know. Steve, I know that you are a very positive person. You're a beacon of positivity and light. Uh Ask my friends. Your first reaction, though, to the Chiefs and the Colts, is this something that you think, okay, the Chiefs are in a good position? Or are you one of the people saying, oh, God, it's going to be 38-10 all over again? Oh, it's going to be the no-punt game all over again? What What was your initial reaction? Trepidation. <laughs> Just really was. fear. Fear. 
Yeah. I, I've just seen this defense just get blistered all year. And I just – I have no faith in this defense. I really don't. And I'm – you know, I want the Chiefs to win. I mean, most people probably want the Chiefs to win. But, gosh, that defense is just so bad. When they go into free agency this year, they just better load up on defense. Because if they bring this defense back as the way it's constructed right now, it won't get any better because it's just not very good. The good thing is the Chiefs can score points. Yeah. Will they have but, enough offensive but power? Patrick Mahomes, let's be honest, the last three or four games, he was just pretty good. He wasn't the Patrick Mahomes of about the first ten games. He's the youngest quarterback remaining, too. And also, no Kareem Hunt. No Kareem Hunt for lots of reasons, but yeah. this is a team, can they score enough points? And can the defense get off the field? If they can, and the defense can get off the field, then this is a Chiefs team that can go a long way. Yeah. But against Indianapolis, whose offensive line might be the best in the NFL, who has a quarterback that is on a roll right now against debatably the worst pass defense in the NFL, when they have a running back behind this offensive line that might have a chance to rip up the Chiefs' defensive front, and then the Colts' defense has been the number one in the NFL over the last 10 games. Who would have thought a month ago we'd be quaking in our boots about the Colts? Not this, many people. And this is what I always say about the NFL playoffs, and I have said this for a long time. It's not the best team that wins the Super Bowl. It's the team that's playing the best going into the Super Bowl that wins. And the Rams and the Saints a month ago – I mean, both of those teams, people were thinking, could win the Super Bowl. I don't think either one of those teams can win the Super Bowl. A lot of people thought the Chiefs, not the way that defense is playing. You're looking at San Diego. You're looking at the Colts and maybe Destiny's Darlings, Philadelphia. Maybe Destiny's Darlings, the Colts. That's a team that just scares me so much. Yeah. All right, Steve, we'll take a break. Be back after this. You're listening to According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Farmers State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva, Next Tech Wireless, and Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. Back on this afternoon's According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE, Jim Joyner, Steve Sell. Steve, we had a very fun Friday night inside the roundhouse as Bullpup basketball got back into the swing of things. The 2019 season is underway, and it was a good win for both teams as they beat Circle 37-30 on the girls' side. The boys won 71-60. Steve, let's start out talking about the boys' game. Where do you think the first thing I'll be talking about is? What do you think that will be? Jake Alexander's 37-slash-35 point game, which turns out to be 35. We'll call it 35. It is 35 after Coach Kinneman statted the game. We kind of thought it was 35, but uh, I think that's a game the Bullpups desperately needed. From a confidence standpoint, they entered the game 19-94 from three-point. They hit 11 out of 19. They saw the ball go in the basket. They scored 71 points. They've been a team. I don't, I don't count the Dodge City game because Dodge City just does not play defense. I mean, they don't have any interest in playing defense. They want to 
get the game in a high pace and try to beat you that way. But the Bullpups scored 71 on a circle team that's done a pretty good job of playing defense all year. We were diving into some of the record books and looking at what 35 points in a game means in terms of McPherson I basketball history. And I don't think people quite understand the significance of a 35-point game where you see it in the NBA all the time, you see it at the college level, but there's more minutes, there's more chances to score. 35 points in a high school game, that is a lot of scoring. And when you look at the record book, there are not very many people, even at a program like McPherson, who has had so many terrific players and Mr. Basketball and Division One athletes that have been able to put up games well, of that a, caliber. To me, there's a reason for that, though. The Bullpups play so many, they've played so many blowouts down through the years. The guys that could have a chance to score 35 or 40 points, they're generally not playing in the fourth quarter. So a lot of that damage is done in three quarters. Jake Alexander's damage was done in three quarters because he right. came out of the game with five minutes to go and basically sat the rest of the game except for when Circle scored like eight points real quick. Coach Kenneman put him back in for like a, maybe a 45 seconds or a minute. So he really didn't, you know, he didn't have that much of an opportunity to add. Uh, he had 32 after three quarters, back-to-back 13-point quarters. Uh, you know, he had 26 in the middle two quarters. But uh, the thing about it, I felt like with Jake, he quit thinking. All he did was play. He didn't, he didn't think, you know, he wasn't lining it up. He was catching and shooting in a rhythm. He was feeling good, had the stroke going, threw down three dunks. I thought the last dunk is as high as I've ever seen him get off the ground. So that ankle, obviously, is a lot better. You know, he was up there about halfway up the window <laughs> and, and threw that down. Great pass by his, his cousin Max and the, the Bullpups. And a, Coach Kinnaman, he owes some apologies to the Optimus guys. That's what I was just about to say. Because he was scoffing that they were handing out assists like candy after the game. 23 assists on 25 made baskets. Coach Kinneman went. He always stats goes back and stats the film. There was twenty three assists. So Dave Chartier, Bob Baldwin, Lowell Schmidt, take a bow. You guys were right on. Twenty three assists on twenty five made baskets oh, yeah. is very, very, very impressive. Especially since early on in the year, this team was getting like four assists. Yeah, per that game. tells you what kind of ball movement they have. Now remember, Circle played two three zone, then a little three two. But basically that 2-3, Bullpups picked it apart, got some wide-open looks. They scored 71 with Cody Stuffel being their leading scorer, basically uh, having the night off. Other than passing, he passed the ball real well. But I think he scored, what, six points? Right. Six points and, and only took like six shots. Speaking of passing, Jake Alexander now the leading scorer after passing Stuffel being after a 35-point performance. That'd do it for you. Yeah, that, that, that'll really help your points-per-game average. On the girls' side, a very weird game because McPherson offensively over the last three, four years has been such a prolific scoring offense where they hover at 60-ish points a game. They scored 37, and they still won 37-30. to 30. I was diving into the record book, Steve, the last time they gave, or they only scored 37 or less was almost two years ago, and it was a loss to Newton. But even after that, there were not very many 37 or less scoring games. But finding a way to win on the defensive end against a circle team that was much bigger, much longer. But the big key was circle did not shoot it well from three, one for 14. Well, I think this game, you know, we're feeling good about the McPherson girls. 
But this game did send up a red flag. They've got to start getting some points inside. Whether it's the post players, whether it's the guards getting to the rim and finishing, they've got to get some inside presence because they didn't shoot the three ball great. What were they? You have the box. Eight of 23. Okay, well, that's not, that's not bad. That's better than you thought it was. Yeah, better than I thought it was. Uh, 35% to me is pretty good in high school from three. But I tell you, Circle made it so tough being 6'1", 6'1". Potter and Kalman, very long. You know, they're 6'1", with about a 6'5", wingspan. Then the 6'2", Galloway girl came in. And Bullpups, really their tallest starter is, what, 5'9"? Five, 5'9", 5'10". Maggie Lee, 5'10", maybe. Yeah. And then you're, and basically it's four guards. I mean, I still look at Hannah Hageman as a guard or a wing because, you know, she takes a lot of outside shots. She was fantastic, I thought, on Friday. She was player, of our, she was our player of the game, hit four threes. Um, you know, she freaking Ruddle really didn't have great games by their standards. They were okay. Grace Pyle was a terror on the boards. She had 12 rebounds. She was really aggressive. But the Bullpups have got to get some inside presence be it Maggie Leaf, Cassie Cooks, Andrea Sweat, uh, Megan Eisenbard. Somebody's got to score inside because you just cannot win just shooting nothing but perimeter shots. A couple of really, well, a couple of really tough games on Tuesday night right. as both teams will be making the trip to Augusta tomorrow. The Augusta girls, they have been one of the better teams in the area. They were a state team a year ago, and they gave McPherson a really tough game at state last year. And then on the boys' side, this is a team that Coach Kinnaman has been talking about for the last couple of weeks and just observing them that even though they lost so many great players from a season ago, this is a team that is certainly an eye-opener because they play very good defense and they pressure and that if the Bullpups don't shoot it well from three, then it will be a tough game to win. And they got a 6'7 kid inside. You know, we don't have a 6'7 kid. Uh, the Burton kid, very good player. Jackson, very good player. I think it comes down the Bullpups have got to force turnovers, I think, to win this basketball game. And they've got to shoot it. I don't think they can shoot it as well as they did Friday. I thought Friday was about as good as they can shoot it. But if they can shoot similar to Friday, I think they'll win the basketball game. And then both teams have El Dorado on Friday. But we got to look at this Tuesday game for the boys because if they can get a win, that puts them in position to maybe get that three seed. Right, for the and, McPherson Invitational. And that would be huge because they do not want to play Lawrence Free State in the semifinals on Friday. Free State has been very good, and they'll be seeing them and later on in the year yeah, as well. Yeah, and Free State's unquestionably the best team going into the tournament. I mean, if you ask any of the eight coaches in the tournament, they'll tell you. I, I think to a man, they'll all say Free State's the favorite. All right, Steve, one more break. We'll preview the championship game in college football coming up tonight from Santa Clara. Tickets are pretty cheap if we want to fly out there. Is it still raining, though? It, it had been raining a lot throughout the weekend. What do, you, what do you think? Like 60 bucks, we can go get good tickets. Let's do it. Probably so. All right. on Jerry's bill. Yeah, there you go. One more break. We're back after this. You're listening to According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by... Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Farmers State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva, Next Tech Wireless, and Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. 
Wrapping up today's According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. Steve, are you excited for the College Football National Championship game tonight? Alabama-Clemson, part four, four years in a row meeting in either the championship game or the semifinal. Are you excited? Are you no. not interested? Do you care? Do you not care? Well, where, where do you stand on this game? I've seen this game too many You're times. You're not excited about it at all? Oh, I am just because I'm a little bit, just from the standpoint, I think Clemson's got a, a puncher's chance, but I don't think they're going to win. I just feel like this Alabama team is a – this is a once-in-a-generation Alabama team. They've really not been challenged this year. Other Except for than, when they gave up 31 points against Arkansas. Well, they were pretty challenged that day. Yeah, but they scored, what, 73? <laughs> well, I wasn't going to mention now, that Georgia, part. Now, Georgia did give them a good game. But, you know, Tua got hurt in that game. It, the Georgia oh, you're talking game, about the conference championship yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Georgia gave them a really good game. But I think that was their one blip. And I got them winning by 10 tonight. You're feeling good about Nick Saban. I'm feeling – well, you got a, you got a five-star recruit. A five-star recruit at almost every position. But do you think Clemson doesn't have a five-star recruit at almost yeah, every they position? Don't have their best, they don't have their best offensive player. And I'm not, I'm not sold on – Pretty boy, fancy pants, quarterback. You don't like Trevor Lawrence? No. No. I think he's going to make you regret that He needs a statement. haircut. I want him to get a haircut. Well, sorry, Steve. He doesn't live the prim and proper lifestyle that you do. <laughs> he, he, he's a renegade. He doesn't, he doesn't care about anybody else but himself. He's got he's to keep that hair looking oh, good. He's got Where that... you're such a generous and, and person that, that's just all about the team and the effort for everybody. And you wouldn't dare have long hair because it would ruin the team. That's right. That's right. Trevor Lawrence is a beast. And he's got two more years as the Clemson quarterback. And I get the feeling he might be able to strike the pose by the end of his time as Clemson's quarterback. You know which pose I'm referring to? Oh, yeah, the Heisman pose. The Heisman pose. Yeah. He does have a big arm. I'll say that. But I just... He's a freshman. I know. I know. But I just... I think the big stage might be too much for him. What about for Tua? If Tua's ankle's fine, he's gonna he's gonna have one of those nights where he's like seventeen out of twenty one. What if the script flips again and Tua is not very good and they bring in Jalen Hurts and he's able that. to win? I would love that. Because I, I You're a big Jalen Hurts. I like fan. Jalen Hurts. I do too. I really like I think the guy personifies what being a good teammate is all about. Yeah, that Trevor Lawrence and his hair. He's a terrible teammate, well, according but, to but, Steve. But Jalen Hurts could have complained. He could have really made this a mess this year. But he recognized Tua as a special quarterback. Didn't make waves. When his number was called, he was ready. He delivered the victory. He won. If they win the national championship, they can thank him. Because if not for him, they don't beat Georgia. I'm excited for the championship game tonight. I always am. It's one of my favorite sporting events of the year. The Monday, the second Monday in the month of January, it's always a good one. I'm excited to watch all the different ESPN broadcasts, the Spanish version, the Megacast, the Coach's Film Room. I'll be watching all of them. Oh, it's I'm one sure of my favorite events. Okay. All right, Steve, tomorrow on the show, we will preview McPherson and Augusta playing tomorrow night on the road. We'll recap the big championship game from last night. Going to be a busy night tonight. Roll Tide. That's my prediction. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Roll Tide. <laughs> Wrapping up today's show for Steve Sell, I'm Jim Joyner. Thanks for listening to According to Jim. We'll talk to you tomorrow. According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell was brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Farmer State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva, Next Tech Wireless, and Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson. 
Make sure to listen to According to Jim every weekday from 1230 to 1 p.m. right here on 96.7 FM KBBE.